How many of you are ready to get into the Word? Hold up your Bibles. Lord, I see your Word all over this place. That Word that changes us. That Word that works in us. That Word that has the power to transform us. And Jesus, this morning, as we open your Word once again, Father, our hearts are opened along with it. And we're asking you to come in, make your place at home in our spirit, Father, so that we are changed forever. I pray that those that walked in this place with chains, with bondage, with something going on in their lives that they haven't been able to control, when they walk out of this place, those chains will be gone and they'll be free in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Peggy, hand me that water, please. My mouth is so dry. How many of you can say one? One week left at his fast. Amen. Yeah. This has been the easiest fast I've ever done. But I got to be honest, I'm out of gas. It's all good. I told you a few weeks ago that every year in our, in our world, mainly I think mostly in the United States, people venture out into a new year trying to make some changes. We call them resolutions, right? We, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose weight. I'm going to quit this, quit that, change this, change that. You heard Pastor Kevin talking about, I'm going to read the Bible this year cover to cover. Great thing to do. And, and, and my, my job in your life is to help you and strengthen you and encourage you to go after whatever goals that God has put down in your heart. Amen. The problem with the resolution, this desire to change something, is that we get in about three weeks into the year, we get back into our normal habits and routines, and life begins to take over once again. How many of you can say busy? Anybody in here busy? So three people admit they're busy, and the rest of y'all just live busy. We live in a busy culture and we live busy lives and we allow our busyness to become an excuse as to why or why not we do or don't do something. Well, I can't do that because I'm too busy. I don't have the time. I told you week number one, what you make a priority becomes the thing that you focus on, right? And and, and the thing that becomes most important in your life is the thing that you're going to begin to run after each and every day. Week number two of the series, last week I talked to you about changing our mind. We have to make priorities, and the second thing we have to do is begin to change our thought patterns. I told you that your thought patterns will be the number one hindrance to you either achieving or not achieving something in your life. The way you think, the way you think about God, what you think about yourself, what you think about uh, about His Word, what you think about every part of your life, it it will determine whether or not you're going to accomplish anything. And I told you that excuses are the reason, right, we don't do things. I said, what did I say? Everything you want to do, you what? Find a way. You don't do. You find a way. You weren't listening. Come on. This is a test. For everything you want to do, you... And for everything you don't want to do, you find an excuse, right? All right, I'll let you off with that one. That was funny. I told you that that lady came in my office years ago and Man, Pastor, I want to quit smoking. I, I'm ready. I had enough of this. I've been smoking for 
40 years of my life, I've just had enough. And, and I said, you know, let's, let's pray. I believe God, the power of God is present to, to, to break that chain. And she said, I do too. I'm ready. And I got the oil and I anointed her and I prayed. God moved in, the, in our midst that day. It was just powerful. And, um, and she left. The next Sunday, I see her at church. Hey, how's it going with your new smoke-free lifestyle? Well, when I left your office, I got in the car and them cigarettes were right there on the seat. And they said to me, don't you want one? She said, and I did. She says, I've been back to smoking. See, before you came in my office to quit smoking, you should have got rid of them cigarettes. Before you decided to go on a diet, you should have got rid of those Oreos. When you decided that you were going to get, get a hold on your health in 2020, you know what? Get out and join the gym. Well, Pastor, I can't afford the gym. There's a park nearby or a sidewalk nearby or a street nearby. Get out there and get busy and do something. Amen? God bless you. If you would, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Paul says this in verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Paul, understanding his calling, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Do you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize, run in such a way as to get the prize. He said everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Paul here in, in 1 Corinthians 9 it has become resolute. He has said, you know what? I, I understand and I know my call. I, I know what God has called me to do. And I realize the magnitude and the, and, and the depth of that call. And yet in that call, this is what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to beat my body and make it my slave. People want to know, why, I'm, why are you fasting? Why are you going through this? Because you know what? I'm beating my body. I'm making it my slave, not me slave to it. Because I'm going to just be honest with you. And I told you this a couple weeks ago. I'm a, I have been a slave to food. I've been a slave to food. I know you look at me and you think, well, you're not, like, you're not big and overweight. Listen, I'm a slave to food. Food owns me. Except for right now. And by doing what I've done, you know what? I'm drawing closer to God. And then I found out in the midst of my fast, you know what happens? I think I'm drawing closer to God and God is drawing closer to me. I told you in week number one, what becomes important gets your attention. Week number two, in order to continue your resolutions, you're going to have to adjust your thought patterns. Here's the things I told you you need to do. Listen to me. You got to think the right thoughts. 
That's the problem is we think all the wrong thoughts. We have wrong ideas about ourselves, wrong ideas about who God is, wrong ideas about our lives and what tomorrow holds and all those things. We, have, we think the wrong thoughts. We have to believe what Jesus says about us. Quit looking in the mirror, discounting who you are based on what you've done or have not done. I want you to know you are, you are a new creation in Christ. Amen? Commit whatever it is that you're going to do to him. If you're going to go on a diet, if you're going to quit this, quit that, do this, do that, then commit it to God first. Ask him to join you in it, and your plans will succeed. Amen? And then know this, that his plans are always good. Say good. Is God good? Amen. And we've been singing about that today. Listen, now the next thing we need to get in line is our bodies. Paul said, I beat my body. I make it my slave. Anytime you set out to change something that affects you physically, listen to me, your body will rebel. Start fasting. About three days into fasting, man, those hunger pains just start getting angrier and angrier and angrier until, you know what, about day four, they go away. I guess they realize, what's the point of making all this noise? He's not going to feed me anyway. Your body is going to rebel. Listen, if your way of life has been bad food, no exercise, too much sleep, and, and you filled your body with all things that just make it feel good temporarily, the moment you stop and decide to change those things, it's going to start kicking and screaming. It doesn't like it. Because what, what feels good for the moment is not good for the long term. And what doesn't feel good for the moment will be beneficial long term. Amen? You know, when you put sugar in your system, how many love sugar? I love sugar in all ways, shapes, and forms. Somebody said the only food that's never been recalled is cake. That's why I eat cake. Sugar activates things in your brain called endorphins. These endorphins give you this, this sense of satisfaction, this sense of feeling good. Whew, that's good. That chocolate was so good, you know. You know what I'm talking about? Your eyes roll back in your head. <laughs> Tony's like, I'm feeling you, brother. I'm feeling. <laughs> and when you start to take those things away, at first, your body starts to rebel. Your system starts to kick back. And after a short period of time, you start to feel better. Let, let me ask you this. You know that a, con, a continued lifestyle of ingesting the wrong stuff, doing the exercise will lead to, to certain health problems? It's, you know, on a, back in the day, it says on a pack of cigarettes, this could lead to, to lung cancer. Not it could, it will. If that's what, I mean, I don't know, you know, I just don't know anybody that'll say, hey, I'm signing up for some lung cancer. I want to sign up for some diabetes. No, I, nobody wants those things. And listen to me. A healthier lifestyle will help you live the abundant life that Jesus paid for. He paid for it, and sometimes we wonder why we're not living it. Maybe it's because your lifestyle you, that you've chosen is not lending itself to abundance. Could it be? If the abundant life is available and, and, and there for every one of us that is, that is in Christ, then why aren't you living it? So today I'm going to get real practical on you. Whether it's for your physical health, spiritual health, or emotional health, all three areas are of super importance. 
The abundant life of Christ, listen, is promised to every one of us that calls Jesus Lord. Every one of us. Now, I want you to spend some time in prayer over the next couple of days. I want you to hear from God. God, what is it that you, that you desire me to change in my life so that I can grow closer to you, so that I can begin to do more of what you've called me to do and less of what I want to do? Because remember, week number one, we made a commitment that he was going to become a priority. And I told you, in that priority, things are going to have to change. And I would venture to say, most of us ain't made a change yet. This could be the beginning right here, right? And after you've heard from Jesus, what you have to do, you have to become resolute. You have to make a decision that you're going to exercise some discipline. Ooh, that's a tough word. That's a difficult word. It's, it, it's going to be a tough sermon for me to preach to you today because you're already turning me off. He's talking about being disciplined. I'm not about that. I want you to know my fasting is not a kickstart to a diet. My fasting is so that, so that I go to a different level for, with, with Jesus, so that I get to have more of him, and I get, to, I get to get more of his blessing and more of his voice and more of his spirit and more of his power and more of his authority because I don't nearly have enough. Now, most of you are probably thinking, well, why does the pastor need more of Jesus? Because I don't have enough. And if I don't have enough, I'm going to venture to say, I'm just going to step out on a limb, that you may not have enough. How many of you want some more? Amen. All right. So, as I stated three weeks ago, and again last week, and again already today, for everything you want to do, you are going to find a way. Now, the biggest obstacle to us doing anything for God or with God is time. You know, I was watching a movie the other day. It wasn't a spiritual movie, but it, they, they made, this guy at the end of the movie made the most poignant point that I've ever heard about time. He said, the only thing that money can't buy is time. Don't ask me what movie that was. Now, how we use the time is what matters most. So I want you to wake up every day, starting now, starting tomorrow morning. I want you to wake up every day and think about doing these five things. And if you'll do these five things, now you don't have to do all five every day. But if, if every week you say, hey, I'm going to fit these five things into my life, I promise you your life is going to begin to look different. But the first one that I'm going to share with you must be done every day without fail. Here it is. Wake up every day and have a, have a time set aside to connect with Jesus. You got to have a time every day that you spend. It could, listen, you say, man, my time is tight. I'm pretty busy. I get on the, I get on the road and I cross the bridge at 6 a.m. and I don't get home to 6 p.m. I get that. But you know what? That drive across that long bridge could be a great time for you to connect with Jesus. You don't have to connect with Jesus in a prayer closet on your knees with the lights off and candles lit. It could be in your car. You know how many times I crossed that bridge when I worked across the lake, going across every day, just connecting with Jesus all the way across the bridge? And all the way back, have a time set aside every day to connect with Jesus. Listen, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. John, the apostle John is on the island of Patmos. And Jesus is giving him these instructions of the end, right? This is what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold. I stand at the door and knock. And anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. 
In other words, Jesus is saying, I stand at the door of your heart, every one of you. And every day I stand at the door waiting for you to open the door. Just invite me and I'll come hang out. See, we think of hanging out with Jesus. I got to come to church. It's got to be a holy moment. I got to put everything aside. I can't be watching TV and hang out with Jesus. I can't be, I, I, I can't be uh, uh, sitting in my backyard. You can be wherever you want and doing whatever you want. Invite Jesus to be a part of it and connect with Jesus every day. Make it a point to connect with Jesus every day. Connect in his word. Connect to him in prayer. Connect to him by, by sharing him with others. Connect with him every day. Jesus' desire is for us to wake up wanting to connect. You know, there are three areas of your life every day. I call it the how principle. It's how you live your life. Every day there are some things you have to do. There are some things you ought to do. And there are some things you want to do. The problem with most of us is we do all the things we have to do or most of the things we have to do because we have to. We do none of the things we ought to do because we wait to, we'll wait till they become have-tos in order to do them. And then finally, we do a lot of the things we want to do, so we neglect the things we ought to do. And our life becomes out of balance. But I want you to know that if we just every day just kind of begin to balance our lives with this how principle, doing some things I have to do, the pressing things, the things you, you should do, then there's some things you ought to do. You ought to brush your teeth every day. You coming around me, please. You ought to sweep your floors. If not, that dirt eventually builds up. It's nasty. You ought to take a shower. Put on a little deodorant. I mean, these are some things you ought to do. Preparing for tomorrow. You know, that people wonder, Pastor, what in the world do you, you know, you only work one day a week. What do you do all, all week long? I don't know. Come hang out with me for a week. I'll show you. People have no idea. We, 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 have seven employees, and we have, uh, I have uh, uh, a sermon. Th th these don't happen accidentally. Like somebody didn't give me this, and here's a sermon. Preach that. I wish it was that easy, but it's not. You know, my, my sermons take 10, 15 hours a week in prayer, and me, me preparing, and sometimes re-prepare. Sometimes I prepare and got to go back and fix it and change it because the Holy Spirit says so. So we have, to, uh, we have to make sure that we're, we're doing the things we ought to do sometimes. We have to do things. There's so many things we have to do. There's a lot of things we ought to do, and then there's a lot of things we want to do. Don't do too much of the want to. Do some of the ought, the ought to. And every day make sure you're finding a time to connect with Jesus. The second thing that I believe that you should do uh, uh, at least once a week, if not more, is have a time set aside in your schedule to rest. In our culture, resting is like a dirty word. Can't take a day off. I got to take a day. I'm like that. I'm like a, I'm like a drill sergeant, right? That's a kid. Like, I mean, she's like, I'm taking, I'm taking a vacation. Like, you can't take a vacation. We don't take no vacations around here. Unless you're taking me with you. You got to have a time set aside to rest. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus these words in chapter 5, verse 15. He said, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Listen, listen, even God gives us a prime example of resting. He created for six days, and on the seventh day he rested. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, right? On the seventh day he rested. God shows us that rest is important. 
Even in the Old Testament practice, they, they had a Sabbath. That they were instructed on the Sabbath not to do anything. You know that that Sabbath carried over and even into our culture back in the, the 30s and 40s and 50s. And, 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 and through the last 50 years or so, that's gone away. It used to be that we would have uh, uh, every Sunday was a sacred day. It was a day that people went to church and did family stuff and nobody worked. And most things were closed. They had blue laws and kept businesses closed. Not anymore. There is no sacred day. Now even on Thanksgiving Day. The stores decided, hey, it's going to be an economic blast if we open up early instead of waiting Black Friday. Now, was they call it Gray Thursday or something? I mean, like we're opening up on Thursday. And now it used to be, okay, we're going to open up at Thursday at 6. Then it was Thursday at 4. Now it's Thursday at noon. Listen, pretty soon it's going to be the whole week. They're going to be open. Black Friday is going to start on Monday because of, econ because of the economy. And forget about people. Listen, you got to take a day and rest. I know you're busy. I know you got a lot to do, but you got to find some time to just hang out with your family and regroup and recuperate so that you're the best you you can be. Amen? Be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Listen, keep burning the candle at both ends, and pretty soon you'll have no, no candle left to burn. Number three. Have a time set aside to be challenged. How many of you quit going to school after college? Done with that. Close the books, put them away, finished. You know what? You never stop learning. You should never stop growing. If you don't have a book somewhere to read or something to read, get one. You need something to read, something to challenge you mentally, something to challenge you spiritually, something to challenge you emotionally, get a book Get better by reading. Listen, you know that the, the richest people in the world, the people who accomplish the most in this world, the most successful people read more than anybody else? Read something and read often. This is what you're going to say. Pastor, I got five kids. I got a job. He got a job. We don't, I don't have time to read. You go to the bathroom, right? Lock the door so they can't come in and read. What are you doing in there? Leave me alone. How about that? Read. You need a, we, need to, we need to be challenged. We need to be challenged mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, and physically. And you do that by taking time to grow. Look what, he, look what um, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 15 says. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, for the ears of the wise seek it out. He said that wise people... Run after knowledge. They seek it out. Listen, we got to wake up every day seeking it out. Listen, if, I, I say, if you're not growing, you're dying. I don't know about you. I ain't ready to die yet. Quit spending so much time on social media and watching TV. Social bubble gum. That's all it is. No nutrition. You need to do things that are going to give you nutrition right here and right here and right here. Right. Number four, have your time set aside to work. Nobody likes that word. Ah, work. What if you go to work tomorrow and you work on your boss's company or you work on your, the company you work for, the place that you are employed? What if you worked on it like you owned it? You took pride in it. You picked up that piece of paper on the ground. You made sure the windows were clean when they were dirty. Don't just look at them. Wonder when somebody's going to clean the windows. How about when you get the Windex? Have a time set aside. Or listen, Proverbs 14, 23 says, All hard work brings a profit. 
But mere talk leads only to poverty. We can talk about working all day long. Man, that field needs some plowing. Man, that yard needs some cutting. I wonder when somebody will get out there and cut it. Maybe we should buy some goats. Goats will eat the grass. How about you strap on them shoes and get out there and cut? The, you know, we work brings a profit. Listen, people wonder what I do. I do counseling. I got budget planning. I got a building being built. We got a lot of things going on, right? It keeps us busy. I, but I work at this thing like it's mine, and it's not mine. It's God's. And so what if you, every day you went to work and you worked on it like you were working for God? God, look what I did. I got your place all straight. You know what's going to happen? Your boss is going to notice. The people around you are going to notice. When that promotion comes available, somebody's going to notice that maybe you belong there. Because all hard work brings a profit. And number five, have time set aside to work on your body. Got to work on your body. This is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, are you providing him the Taj Mahal or a lean-to? You know, that shack leaning against another. Is he kicking the dirt off the floor? Or is it nice and clean? 1 Timothy 4.8 tells us, For physical training is of some value. Paul wrote that to Timothy. Physical training is of some value. Here's the value. A healthier lifestyle. Leaning more toward the abundant life that Jesus paid for. Anybody want to sign up for some heart disease, some diabetes, uh, uh, or some other diseases that maybe could have been avoided by just doing something? No, I think we'd choose, I think we'd choose a little exercise over all those things anytime, right? Go through some health problems, and pretty soon you say, I'm going to make a change because I don't want to do this again. Most people, though, I've never exercised before. I don't know what to do. Then find a friend. Find someone that can help you. Find someone that will hold you accountable. Well, I can't afford a gym. Listen, I was on a vacation one time with my wife and some friends, and, and uh, we, we, there was no gym for us to work out. So you know what we did? We walked around the complex that we, were, uh, that we were staying in. And about every half mile, we would stop and do push-ups. Then we'd walk another half mile, do sit-ups. We'd walk a half mile, do some air squats. We would just, for about three miles, we did that, about every half mile. We were sweating and things... Dude, felt great, no gym, didn't need one, and you don't need one either. You don't have to have a gym to work out. You don't have to have a gym to work on your body, so quit making excuses. Just get off the couch and start doing something, amen? See, we're gonna, if we want to exercise, we're going to have to exercise some discipline. If we're going to be challenged, Mentally, emotionally, physically, we're going to have to exercise discipline. If we're going to connect with Jesus every day at first, it's going to have to be discipline that gets you to wake up a few minutes earlier. It's going to have to be discipline that gets the book and makes sure it's in the bathroom. It's going to be discipline that causes you to do these things because none of these things are going to come natural. None of us are going to wake up and go, okay, I'm, I'm in order. I'm going to have my day of rest. I'm going to have my time to connect with Jesus. I'm going to have all these things in order. Just like Pastor Eddie said, you're not going to do it because you're not used to doing it. You're going to have to make effort. You're going to have to exercise discipline in order to put those things in order. It's not going to come natural. 
but it is going to take an adjustment. And when we make the adjustment to exercising a little discipline in our lives, pretty soon we're going to begin to see things and experience things in a completely different way. Remember this, having that time set aside every day, Jesus has got to be first. I told you three weeks ago, Jesus has to be first. He has to be your priority. Make a time to connect with him every day. Don't tell me you don't have the time. Have a time set aside the rest. I know it can't be every day, but, but maybe once a week. Hey, hey, Saturday morning, I'm not doing anything. I'm going to do something I want to do Saturday. I'm going to set aside some time to just do something fun, something with my family, something that I haven't done in a while because I haven't had the time. Have a time set aside to be challenged, but that could be every day. Maybe it's just a, a five-minute little thing you read every day, just something to challenge you mentally. Have a time set aside to work. And I mean not just go to work. I mean go do work. And have a time set aside at least three or four times a week to work on, on this. God gave us this. I, I believe one day is going to want Man, you want to know why you came to see me early? Because you didn't work on that thing I gave you. You know, the Bible says that your life shall be 120 years. Most of us not going to see 120 years. Because we, we live in like, we're, going, we're burning the candle at both ends physically. And we're going to go see him sooner than we want to. Oh yeah, you'll be in heaven. Great. But man, maybe God had something here. You know, Moses was 120 when he went home to be with Jesus. He wasn't, he was 80 when he started his ministry. 40 years he walked in the desert. Shoes never wore out. He was strong mentally, physically, emotionally. He was everything that, because he put God first. Would you stand with me? Now this morning I'm asking you, if you're ready to do some things different, if you're ready to exercise some discipline in your life in, in those areas, and if you're ready to exercise some discipline, you say, God, I'm not sure I can do it, but I'm going to trust you. Listen, you know why I know, I know you can do it? Because the Bible says you can do it. The Bible says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Amen? There's nothing out of the realm of possibility for you if you'll invite God to be with you in it. Now, His desire is for you to live abundance, in abundance. Sometimes it's going to take a little discipline on your part to move yourself closer to get to that place so you begin to experience all that he has. If you're ready to live that abundant life today, I want you to come and join me here at the altar, and I'm going to pray for you this morning. I'm ready to receive it. God, I'm ready to exercise discipline let your spirit fill me and empower me so that I can do these things in Jesus' name. Come on, that's you, come. Let's put our hands to heaven. Father, in the a sign of surrender, we come before you today. We say, Holy Spirit, we want you to have your way in us today. Fill us with your power. 
Give us the confidence to know that no, no matter what is before us, we can accomplish it because we have asked you to walk with us in it and through it. God, if it's to, if it's to accomplish some goal in the physical, I pray, God, for a, a physical touch of your power. God, let them know that you are with them right now in Jesus' name. Father, if it's something in the emotional side of things, Father, I pray right now that you give them the comfort inside of knowing that, that, that you are there, that they, are, they, have, they have never and will never walk alone, no matter what it is they're going through or about to walk through. I pray, God, if it's something in the spiritual, for them to know as, as they turn to walk towards you, you're going to run to meet them on the road and wrap your loving arms around them and bring them to a new place spiritually that they have never been before. I thank you, Father, that you are a good, good God, that we never have to worry. We never have to be fearful of what's next when you are with us. We thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. We'll see you next week because next week it'll be five weeks.